welcome to the Joy for Ministry podcast. I am so glad you are here for today's episode. You know, I couldn't wait to air this episode. I waited all week and I'm really thankful that you are here for my conversation with my new friend, Julie Davenport. You know, I stumbled across Julie's website recently and her book and her story and I immediately had to reach out to her. I ordered her book and I read it within a couple of days. Her book, Secrets in the Sanctuary, talk about her story of being in an abusive marriage with a pastor. It details her journey of healing after going through infidelity and abuse. And she lived in shame, staying silent for so long. Then she makes the decision to leave and her healing began. I have the privilege of sitting down with her and talking to her about her journey. We cover it all, from how to deal with secret sin to the hope of forgiveness and what true forgiveness looks like, and not looking back with regret. I am going to put Julie's information in the show notes, her website, and a link to her book, Secrets in the Sanctuary. You're going to want to grab a copy. Thank you for joining me today. Listen to our conversation. You know what? Send it to a friend or two friends or even three. Where do you travel and speak? Well, um, I actually only started doing that about um, probably eight years ago. Um, I I told my story at at a women's conference at my home church and doors just started opening and, and, um, I, I had some conferences even over in Africa and El Salvador and Cuba, but mainly just, you know, in the States around me and in my home state. And, um, and I just couldn't believe how many people resonated with the story that I had been through. Um, and I ended up, I had felt like I should write a book for years. I had started it and put it away and started it and put away. And, uh, uh, so then after I wrote my book, um, uh, more opportunities came and I, I went ahead and got my credentials because I was in churches a lot. And um, so anyway, I've been a preacher's kid, a preacher's wife and a, and a minister myself. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah, but I, I really, I really believe, and I mean, I can say this again in that too. A lot of my ministry is just one-on-one with women that contact me that have read my book that that are going through, you know, they'll say, I heard Julie went through this. Can you talk to her? Cause people just, you know, you need, I believe in counseling, but you also need just somebody to listen. Yes. It's been there. It's so yeah. true. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. When I say to the Lord, Lord, what do I have to offer someone? What do, how can I help someone? And I really know sometimes you women just want to talk and there's in ministry, it's like, where is there a safe place? Yeah. And a lot of times there, there isn't, you know, and, um, and that's, you, you need that. You need to be able to feel like you can share what you're struggling with and right. that, you know, uh, because we, we all have struggles. I mean, everybody has them and, and, uh, you know, my, my daughter's like getting her PhD in counseling and I don't have that, but I do feel that that's a great thing too, but you do need just somebody to say, Hey, I've been there or I've, I've been, I understand I'm struggling with something else or. Right. So I think to be heard is so powerful and empowering 
Mm-hmm. You know, we had, my husband, and I had a couple over a few weeks ago and they, we kind of known their story, but they sat there and they just opened up to us. And when they left, I said, they just needed to talk mm-hmm. and to tell us their hurt. And it was really so beautiful to see them pour out and just to sit there and know we, I don't have the answers for you, right. but what I'm doing for you right now is just listening. And that's really what it, what they needed in that moment. Yeah. And that's a lot of, I mean, you, you're pastors, right? You and your husband pastor, is that what you yep. do? Yeah. And just, just accepting people, loving people, listening to people and you'll, you'll be a great minister, right. <laughs> you, know, just, you know, just doing those things. And so, well, um, I know we didn't like formally start, but I'm going to keep all this in because I okay. think that this is good. So I'm just going <laughs> to jump right in and okay. you're okay. If I read some parts of the book, right? That's fine. That's great. Yes. Okay. So I know everybody's already heard part of this, but hello, everybody. I am here with Julie Davenport. Hi, Julie. Hi. Good to be with you. Good to be with you, too. Thank you for jumping on. You know, I just came across your website and your book um, probably about a month ago, and I immediately was like, I want to hear your story and I want to read your book. So you were so gracious to get right back to me and I ordered your book and I am not the biggest reader and I read most of it within two days. It just sucked me in and it drew me in and it is such a good book. So we're going to get into that story, but tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. I, um, I was raised in a pastor's home and had a very loving home. And then I uh, went to college and I married uh, a very charismatic young minister. And uh, we pastored two churches that were very uh, successful as far as numbers and reaching people. And uh, we had, after three miscarriages, I had two little girls and um, I was married for 13 years. And uh, uh, the book tells more in detail and we'll talk about it, but I went through uh, our, our young daughter that was four years old, got cancer and was down at St. Jude Hospital for months at a time and um, went through a very difficult time in our marriage and ended up separating and losing our church and, and going through an awful divorce. And um, then I was a single mom for a few years. And then now I've been married, uh, remarried for 24 years. <laughs> and um, have always served in the local church and been in ministry, but in the last, just uh, probably about eight or nine years ago, I told, told my story at a conference and uh, began, the Lord just began to open doors and I finished a book that I had started uh, many times and uh, uh, it was published just about two years ago and um, the Lord's just opened doors uh, for speaking, you know, uh, uh, with, with COVID, I've not been traveling now, but, um, like I said before, a lot of my ministry, I, I usually talk or meet with two, three, four women a week that just either contact me um, through messenger or email or even in my church. We've got a large church and uh, they, you know, my, they know a lot of them know my story and they will say, you know, you need to talk to Julie. And I, and I, I just feel like that's, that is just as important one-on-one as it is when I speak. So, yes. Yes, I 100%. I have, oh, and I have three kids and two, and four grandchildren and one great-grandbaby. So. Wow. <laughs> and that's, too. <laughs> so. that's great. So I love your book. 
I read it and I told you this, that I read it and I thought like you were my friend. Like I, I want to get together and have coffee and it's such a window into your life and your story. What was it like to put that out for everybody to see, to tell your story, to be vulnerable, to open up? You know, um, I can't say that it was easy because it, it's hard to share, especially something as difficult as this. Um, I, I feel like I was more free to actually publish the book because um, my, my first husband had passed away many years before. Um, I felt like it was a better time in my daughter's life. They were grown and married and established and they were supportive of my ministry, but you know, it, it probably when they were in high school or college, it would not have been necessarily a good thing for the book to come out then at that time as for them, you know, and, and they were, they were the ones that actually encouraged me. They're like, mom, you need to tell this, you need to tell, tell your story. And, um, I went through several rewrites. I, I hired a, like a, a freelance editor, um, miraculously God opened the door to a, um, publishing company. I, I don't know if you've ever heard of Mark Batterson and he wrote the circle maker long story short, he had, when he was younger, he had applied to be on staff at church with my first husband and he felt a check in his spirit and didn't take the position. And it was right after that, that everything fell apart. And so when I was trying to decide how, what should I do with this book? I emailed him, did not expect to get an answer, but he answered me. He, um, emailed his publisher and opened the doors for me to get my, my book published, which was just wow. a miracle and, and endorsed the book. And, and, um, so that was, that was a, a miracle in itself. And I knew, cause I had just prayed, Lord, I don't want to put this out there. If it's going to hurt anyone, I, you know, I changed the names cause I didn't want to hurt his family. I didn't want to hurt, uh, but I, I felt like it, I, even, even my first husband that had passed away, he struggled. And I, I think he would have wanted people to be helped mm. by his story. Right. That's such a, an amazing story that you have this connection with Mark Batterson. I, I've read his books and I, I actually met him a couple of years ago and um, that's amazing that he got back to you and what a connection. It's like the Lord weaves these things in and out and you don't yes. even know how it's going to come back. Yes. It, you know, that was, and it, I hadn't even thought about it in years. And I thought, you know, he's, I had read another one of his books and he had talked about how he, it took him 12 years to get a, you know, a book published. And, and I thought, well, he would understand that. I thought, wait, he's come across our path before many years ago. And, and so right. it was really, it was just a God thing for sure. Yeah, definitely a God thing. So you talk in the book, you talk about um, your struggle and it's such a story of redemption and reconciliation and healing. Um, but I want to just talk about a few things that really stood out to me. You talk about the time that your husband came to you and told you of his affair um, that he had. And you say that you were at your sister's wedding when you first learned of this. Um, and if you don't mind, I'm just going to read a little clip. You were at your sister's wedding and you said, my mom sensed something was terribly wrong, but not wanting to ruin my sister's wedding, I kept it to myself. Although I was my sister's matron of honor, I was in such a daze, I hardly remembered the wedding. Bryce coerced me not to tell anyone. He told me that I was not forgiving him if I did tell. 
Bryce convinced me that since he had asked my forgiveness, we should work it out between us. Looking back, I wish I told someone and I wish we had gotten help in counseling. It would have been better had we been more proactive at the start because this was just the beginning of more trouble to come in the future. I love that you say that about what, wishing back then that you had made that decision to get help, but knowing that why in ministry, it's so hard to do that. It is so hard um, to get help for things like that because we wanna keep it secret and hidden and silent. Um, what would you say now, having walked through this to that person or to your younger you yes. that is struggling with, I need to keep this quiet and silent. What would you say now to somebody who's afraid to open up? I would, I would say it's, it's so much better to not keep it a secret. You know, I, we were just, we, when we came back to Missouri, we were going to, my husband had been in school at Harvard, he had gotten his master's and we'd come back and we'd already been voted in at a church. And if we would have gotten help then before, you know, but in my mind, we would have lost that position of that church. We would have, um, I, I knew how much it would hurt my family, his family. And, and I was, I was raised very sheltered and it's, you know, I'm not near as naive now, but then, you know, he just, he was very, um, convincing he was a very um manipulative very strong personality and he he just you know he, he cried and he was like I'm so sorry I've asked your forgiveness this will never happen again you know please please let's let's work this out between us but it you know if we would have gotten help then he could have you know with our denomination he could have gone through two years of rehabilitation and we could have had a ministry and 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 maybe maybe uh, kept us from going through the next affair and then the next three affairs and then you know that it just it just got worse and it's kind of like in the bible when when in the old testament when jesus said you know destroy everything and they didn't mm -hmm. you know it came back to haunt them and and right. and, and you just you need to it, it's never it's never good to keep things in the dark because they can't be healed mm. they they you know they can't be healed if you hide them and uh we we just kind of swept it under the rug instead of dealing with it. Right. And I regret that. <laughs> right. I did. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to tell your story because now you can look back mm -hmm. and you can tell somebody who's in this now, they think they're protecting something and, and what you had wished that you had done. And we're going to talk a little bit more later on about when you talk about bringing things to light so that they can truly heal. Um, but we're going to talk about that a little later on. You have these moments in the book that are so hard talking about, you know, your Bryce coming to you with his affair and your daughter going through cancer, which was just, you, you gave such great detail and insight into, and I can't even imagine walking through that. And you talk about these things and then you give these moments that are like jaw dropping beautiful pictures of the things that the Lord just sustained you in. Mm -hmm. And I want to just highlight one of them. You talk about um, just some follow some of the months following more, find out more about more affairs. And you say, um, during one service, as we sang victory in Jesus, I experienced a supernatural healing in my spirit. The Lord touched my brokenness. 
It happened in the same way people have a tangible physical healing. The presence and voice of the Lord performed an emotional healing of my heart. Although Bryce and I continued to have struggles, I had hoped that we would eventually work things out. I thought maybe we were going through these experiences to show us that a marriage can be healed even after adultery. And throughout the book, you know, you talk about your healing in that moment. You talk about how the well-known um, crusader called you in the hospital. And you talk about the Lord touching your brokenness. Um, all these things that I'm like, the Lord is carrying you through. And you paint this beautiful picture of these moments that I'm sure sustained you. Did you ever have those moments where you were like questioning God? And like, why is this happening? You know, um, I've thought a lot about that because a lot of people have asked me, you know, why are you not mad at God or mad at the church or at ministry, you know, with this happening with a, a pastor? Um, and I, I understand that a lot of people do feel that way. I think I had a very um, amazing family support system. A lot of people, a lot of women have nowhere to go you know, and I, I had a place to go. And, and I think I also had a foundation in my life um, that helped sustain me. I mean, my parents had just always taught me, you're going to have trouble, but turn to the Lord. Turn, you know, always turn to the Lord. Don't turn to something else. And I, I really didn't believe that God had caused this. Um, you know, I know he allows things, but in my mind, I, I was never mad at God because I felt like he was my only hope, the only thing I could turn to. Um, I, I can't say I didn't question. I, you know, I, I questioned why I had three miscarriages, why we couldn't have children. You know, I've questioned in recent years why my mom went through Alzheimer's. You know, you question why things happen. But um, I, I think that now, again, this is hindsight with me being 61 years old and I can look back. I think God maybe allowed it because so many people struggle with infidelity and in their marriages, even in ministry. And, and he gave me a strong support around me that I would be able to go through this and help other people that are maybe at the beginning of it or where it can prevent there being the widespread pain that was with my story, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And that's such a amazing thing to hear. It's like, you know, beauty for ashes, like what you've gone through. And you talk about your family in here and throughout the whole book, I was just so like, just in awe of your parents and even parts where you read your mom's journal and they're foundation in the Lord and their support of you um, just seems amazing. It, it, it really, um, I still, I thank the Lord every day. I mean, my, my mother passed away about a year ago, but my dad is still living. My brothers, my sister, all serving the Lord. And my parents just were, you know, it wasn't like um, my dad didn't pastor huge churches or this amazing, eloquent speaker, but they lived, they lived the life before us. Just, they were an example. And we just like naturally followed in the, what the life they had shown us. And they just always were unconditionally loved us and just taught us to turn to the Lord. 
And, and that I really am so thankful because I feel like that's why I was able to face, you know, divorce and cancer and suicide, you know, all these horrible things. Um, it, there was a, a strength that God had given through, through my family. And I'm just very, very grateful because that's rare. A lot of people don't have that. It's rare. That's such a blessing. I love this part of the book and I actually was reading it to my husband because it really ministered to me in such a way that I was like, I feel like the Lord, um, it, it, it was meant for me to hear it and for my life and for my ministry. Um, so I'm just going to read this. It says, one of the lowest moments of my life was the night before the presentation of the resignation letter from Bryce to the church we pastored. Throughout all the years, this is the only time I remember waking to a pillow soaked with tears. I had cried even as I slept on a foam mattress on the floor beside Faith's bed at St. Jude Hospital. I awoke with my mind racing as I thought about what was happening at our church. Life as I had known it was ending abruptly. My marriage was ending. We were leaving our church family who I dearly loved and we were selling our home. I had no idea what the future held. I thought about how my parents and grandparents has, had always taught me to put my hope and trust in the Lord because he would take care of me and not fail. On the floor beside faith, I made a mental choice and I said to the Lord, I'm going to trust you. I decided to wholeheartedly follow the Lord with my life. A supernatural peace came over me as I lay there. I didn't know how, but I knew the Lord would take care of me and my girls, and he did. I felt him speak to me that if I would do the simple things I knew were right, like read my Bible, pray, go to church, raise my girls, then he would take care of the complicated things. You detail that a little bit more in the end of the book, those things that you talk about that the Lord says to you, do the simple things and I will do the complicated things. The last week that has been my mantra. I've said that to the Lord when I'm thinking, how is such and such going to work out or what's going to happen? And I'm, I go back to that, do the simple things, yes. seek the Lord, read the Bible. So I was just, that has been flowing through my mind the past week. So how, how did you come to make those decisions time after time when you were faced with big things like cancer in your child and leaving a church? And what were ways that you were just like time after time, I'm just going to do the next right thing and make these simple decisions? You know, I, um, I'll start with even very recently, just in the last, you know, year or two with all the, the political things and the racial things and all that, you know, and I, I have just felt like God has told me simply, you need to love God and you need to love people. Mm. And that's what I focus on. <laughs> and that's, that is enough to keep me busy <laughs> is, is working on loving God and loving people. But, um, even back then when I was laying there, you know, I didn't, I really literally, we, we were, we lost our church. We were going to put our home up for sale. I didn't know what I was going to do the next day, the next week. Um, I didn't believe, I didn't even hardly be able to say the word divorce, let alone file for divorce, but I didn't know what to do. And um, I really, from that day, it was like a supernatural touch again, like the healing when he, you know, my broken spirit, I feel like God just touched me. And, 
and I would, he would lead me moment, many times, moment by moment, you know, people say take one day at a time, but there were a few years there that I, I literally sometimes took a minute at a time because it was so um, just crushing uh, and my heart was broken and it, it was not at all what I had planned for my life or for my girl's life. Mm-hmm. And um, the Lord really, he, he led me um, with people speaking into my life with, and, and again, those simple things, I always kept my girls, myself connected with our church, a church family, you know, going to church doesn't save you, but I had a very good experience with the church supporting me, um, you know, reading my Bible every day. I mean, even now I'm, I have more time as uh, being somewhat semi-retired and, and that time in the morning with the Lord is, is so crucial to me mm. to even face my day. I mean, just reading my Bible, praying, um, those, those simple things do help with complicated things <laughs> and, right. and, and there's a lot of life is complicated, you know, it is for so many people and all of us. And, um, so that, that has just, that has talked to me through the years. I also, when I was a young pastor's wife, I had a, a, a lady tell me she, it kind of hurt my feelings at the time, but I, I've used it over and over. She, she just said, I was, when I was you know, had two kids trying to do everything, do all the jobs in the church and trying to just do too many jobs. And, and she was like, you're not, there is a God and you're not him. And I was like, I was like, well, thanks for that word from the Lord. But, but it's, it's true. You know, we're not God. And I, I tried to be, I tried to be my husband's savior a little bit. I, you know, I even tried to be people, you know, you try to save people, fix people. That's, that's God's job you know, he's God. We, we just have to do the simple things he's called us to do. And it really takes the weight off. It really does. Yes. Reading that, I'm like, okay, that I can do. Yeah. I, I can't figure out how to make things okay for my 17 year old or, you know, right. how he's going to walk with the Lord and is, you know, how are we going to pay for college and where are we going to, like, I can't figure out these life things. I can do these simple things. Right. And it just brings your mind back to focusing on the Lord instead of trying to make everything else happen. And so I love that. And I'm, like I said, the last week, I'm like, okay, what can I do? What do I need to do? And it's the simple things. And you know what, Lord, you take care of the others. Oh, I'm glad this helps. (laughs) You paint this beautiful picture of the church. I know a lot of people, I've talked to a lot of women um, a lot of families who have been hurt by the church and, you know, that's a different subject, but I love this, what you say, um, about the church. You talk about, um, after you guys had left, you know, and you were trying to figure things out and you say, after the girls and I lived with my mom and dad for a couple of months, my parents bought a little house down the street for us. My oldest brother and his wife remodeled the house into a little dream home. It was right on the lake and was a wonderful place to emotionally heal. We lived there for four years. A friend gave me a day bed. I put it in the living room and the girls had twin beds in the one bedroom, only a few feet away. It was cozy, but lonely, precious and difficult at the same time. Family and friends took care of us and held us close. A small church in a nearby town asked my parents to come and pastor. I attended there with the girls, taught Sunday school and became a part of the church family. 
Little Faith sang specials and both girls were involved in activities. I felt like the three of us had been brought in on stretchers, wounded and broken. My family and the church family slowly nurtured and loved us back to strength and healing. It's like, that's just such a beautiful picture of the body. And yeah, the church. That's how it's supposed to be. It's not always that way. I mean, I've, through the years I've had hurts, but that little church and again, a thing about my family, my dad was pastoring a church that was very, very successful. My brother had cancer at the same time. And he, my parents resigned their church to help take care of my kids and my brother and moved and like took time off, um, which was a, a huge example to me of, again, the simple thing of my parents always taught me that's God first, then your family, and then your ministry. Wow. It, they put their family before their position, you know, right. and, and, um, and, and dad, within a couple months, this small church asked him to come and pastor. And they were just very, um, it was just a little family church and it was what I needed at the time. You know, um, I, I didn't want to hear anybody that was slick or, <laughs> uh, right. Had an ego. I, I didn't need, you know, I needed just, uh, a, a soft place, a, a, a loving place. And I, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful. And, and the church that we had pastored, those people, it, the, it was only like about an hour away from them. And they, they still ministered to me, put tires on my van, wow. uh, um, checked on me, uh, took my girls on, you know, and me on a little trip, you know, they, they were very loving. And so that, and that's, I think it's just an example of what churches need to do you know, it's just to help people in their journey and wherever they're at. Cause I was, I was broken. I was, um, didn't have much hope and, and they helped me to just make it through that dark time. Wow. That's beautiful. And I love that. Um, there's just some things that really stood out to me about your story and about you walking through this. Um, and I'm just going to read a couple things and you can interject, um, but you talk about after your divorce, how, you know, your family was there for you, but at night it was a party of two. Mm -hmm. You say during the single years, I often felt completely alone. I had always had someone to lean on. I had never been forced to put my faith to the test. Like I did during my years as a single mom, I couldn't rely on my parents' commitment or my husband's position as pastor. Many lonely nights, it was a party of two, me and the Lord. He was faithful to carry me on eagle's wings and to give me the strength I needed. On many occasions, a word of scripture, a note from someone, the tangible feeling of people's prayers, or simply the presence of the Lord helped me make it through the day. He showed me in little ways that he knew right where I was and what I was going through, and it helped me to know that he was able to take care of the big things. My mom likes to call these little extras or handfuls of purpose from God, as in the Bible, when Ruth gleaned in the grain fields, Boaz told his workers to leave her handfuls on purpose. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love how you talk about the being a party of two. And it was just, at times just, it was you and the Lord. Yes. I, I have my Bible that I had during that time and it, it's just worn out, but I mean, the Lord would just speak to me. You know, I, I think, um, there, it's like when you really need a word from the Lord, he, he comes through and, and he, he did help me cause I, and it, but it helped me understand 
and have a sensitivity uh, for single people that have been married. Um, you know, it's so normal for them to immediately be in another relationship. And I received counsel because of just the, the depth of the uh, what I had gone through to just wait at least a couple of years before even thinking about dating. And I'm, I'm so thankful that I had those that time. Um, I, I married a little over four years later, but I I had time to just be with my girls and 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 work on raising them and, and healing for myself because I, I needed, I was broken and I had a lot of baggage and I needed healing. Yeah. And, and even though those were lonely, dark times, um, I'm thankful that the Lord helped me through, but I, I have such a sensitivity now for just the lo loneliness is awful, hmm. especially when you've been in a, you know, you've been you know, a, a large church, a pastor's wife, you know, you'd go out to eat and it was always couples. And all of a sudden I would like, you know, we'd go out to eat after church. And I'm like, where do I sit or what do I do? It was a awkward time, you know, um, and the Lord did help me through, but it, it was, it was not fun. No. <laughs> you know, and I think what you said about like walking through something. So, you know, what other people go through, it's some you know, walking through that, like you said, like you experienced loneliness and how, how terrible it is and how it gave you that, mm -hmm. you know, thought of other people walking through that. Sometimes we don't like, I think that's a privilege when you can recognize what somebody else is going through. Of course, you don't want to go through that yourself. Right. But in those moments, it's like the Lord has a greater purpose. Right. And everyone, everyone can use that. You know, the Bible talks about us comforting others in the way we have been comforted and by the Lord, you know, and, and I think that that whatever a person goes through and the Lord helps them through that, they can help someone else going through that thing. You know, it's, it's just, it goes on and on and, and, and God uses, I, I was even reading this week uh, about Paul when he said, because of my chains, the gospel has been advanced, you know, wow. because, because of our difficulties, it's, you know, God uses those for good. He really does. You know, he really can take what was meant for evil and use it for good. Mm. That, that's, that's true. It's not, we don't like those things, but they happen. Mm. You know, it's, um, it's not all roses and easy life all the time. And, and I think that um, God uses those dark times for us to help others going through mm. their own. Yeah. And that's why I love that you told your story, because I think our stories are not meant to be kept to ourselves they're meant to share so that others can you know hear it and and get strength from it and um that's why i love having you on to tell your story oh, i appreciate it i thank you <laughs> something else um that you talk about is when secrets make us sick you say for healing to occur we must not live in a secret life what is in the dark needs to be brought out into the light. As Christine Kane said, what we don't reveal cannot be healed. The Bible informs us that nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him whom we must give account. I was thinking about this actually this week about how you, as I was preparing for this podcast, about how you talk about bringing things to light and how hard that is to do. It's, it's hard to bring to light. But I had something that I was wrestling with 
to myself and I wasn't really talking to God about it. And it reading this and I was like, all right, Lord, here it is. This is ugly. What do I need? And I, I addressed it and I didn't want to do that. And I don't know where that's going to lead, but I see why people want to keep things hidden. Mm -hmm. Um, talk about that a little, if you can, about bring things to light and what, even though that's hard, the, the importance of it and why that needs to be done in order to move on. Yeah. I think, I think in ministry, it's especially hard, um, because uh, sometimes if you, you bring things out into the light, it's going to have great consequences on your livelihood, (laughs) your, your position, your, um, and, and we also, all of us worry about, you know, what, what are other people going to think of us or, um, but I, I realized all those years that I kept secrets, you know, it's like the first affair happened after we'd been married about three years. The second affair happened after we'd been married, oh, probably seven or eight years. And then the last three were after 13 years. But I, during those years that I kept those two affairs secret, it, it was always hanging over my head. It was always um, gnawing at me on the inside. Mm. Um, I, I feel like my, my husband, it, it made him sick too, because he began to, um, he rationalized and, and kind of compartmentalized what he was doing. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't make sense in some ways, but sometimes men do, you know, it's like different compartments. And it was like, he loved me. He had our church. And then this was like a separate thing in his mind. Right. Uh, and it, it wasn't, it affected all of that. And um, I, I think the, there's many scriptures in the Bible about, you know, bringing things into the light and, um, and it, it takes the power away too, when you bring it out and to, you know, and, and I, I still remember after I had told everything, cause I kept this from my family, as close as I am to my family, I kept these things even from my family. Wow. And when I, after 13 years, when I had told everything to, to the associate pastor at our church, to my family, um, and just told them all that had gone on. I, I remember going down to breakfast at St. Jude cafeteria and just having this peace it was like a weight was off of me. And even though things were horrible in a lot of ways, there was such a deep peace and that there was nothing hidden anymore. Right. It's, it's a heavy, it's a heavy load to carry. And, and uh, it's just like a lot of principles of God's word. We, you know, we can think it doesn't make sense. You know, it's like, it's better just to keep this hidden. And I'm not saying you tell everyone everything that's going on but if there's (laughs) there if there's something a hidden sin or abuse um if you keep it hidden it just gains its power right and and it and it gets most often it gets it just gets worse right and it's better to dig it out while it's little instead of waiting till it's fully grown right and it's not like you're walking it's like to keep it hidden you're still walking a heavy burden. So mm-hmm. you're thinking I'm, I'm going to keep this hidden, but still it's not walking in freedom and it's not walking in peace. And so, yeah, I can see how people, like I can see keeping it 
quiet, but it's not, you're still dealing with that day in, day out in a terrible way. Yeah. And it, and it's good. Even, you know, I even wish my husband or like when he was being tempted that he would talk to somebody, you know, or that we would have talked to somebody when he was being tempted by this right. thing or having thoughts. And, and that would have been a great place to, to get help, you know, but even, even after it's already happened, it's still better to get, get help than right. to just sweep it under the rug. You talk throughout the book about little decisions that you make which seem little, but have great, um, good consequences. Like you make a decision, you know, to not, you know, go down this road, you're going to go this way. Like you talk about, you know, you could have made the wrong decisions. It could, you could have been the one that fell into this sin. And throughout the book, I was just inspired by how your little decisions, whether it was to talk to this person or not to go this way, really had greater impacts for your life. And it might have been the harder decision at the moment, but it was the right decision. Yes. Yes. Cause I, I know even, even during the time I was single, you know, I, I would, there was like an old boyfriend that called and I was just like, oh, this would be good. And then I'm like, no, this is not good. This, you know, this is not the best thing. And I, I made the decision early on to not even see him face to face, you know, just not to go that direction. And, and I think um, it, it all starts even with, with our, our thoughts, you know, and, and I, I used to, you know, tell my girls when they were dating, you know, don't make a decision when you're down some dark lane or when you're at your boyfriend's house with nobody there, make the decision before right? <laughs> you, before you go down, get yourself in a position to have to make a even harder, you know, it's, if you can make that decision early on to turn away, it's much easier than when you're in the middle of it and trying to get out of it. Right. And sometimes the right decision doesn't mean it's the easier decision. No, no. Probably oftentimes it's <laughs> that's not the case. No, uh, and, and you know, a lot of times we, as, when you go through hard times, you can think, well, I, I deserve this or I, I need to just let, let my guard down because I've been, you know, being good, you know, whatever. Right. And, and, and we can rash, rationalize it in our head. And, and um, again, it just goes back to just believing the simple truths of God. God's word are true and, and, and living by them. Mm. So you talk about why you talk about, why did I leave? And you say some things that I think are just so important for some women to hear. Um, you say restoration and reconciliation are the best Avenue to work. Like you, you are all for restoration and reconciliation and many marriages are healed and restored. Um, You say, I've talked to many who have received counseling from their pastors and other Christians to stay no matter what and to forgive no matter what. You say, sometimes reconciliation is not possible. Maybe you have done everything possible as far as you are able to do, just as Romans 12, 18 instructs us. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Sometimes it's not possible. Yes. I think I had so ingrained into my head that God hates divorce or that divorce is, I I could not get divorced, but you know, God's, he's not fond 
of adultery and he's not fond of abuse. I, you know, I, I talk some in the book about, you know, there was physical abuse through the years too. Um, and I, I put, a, I wouldn't leave cause I thought, well, then I might have to get divorced, which was so, I, that was in my head, you know? And I, I, like I say, I'm, every time I talk to a marriage, I'm like, if at all possible, try to reconcile. But I, I think that sometimes, and this, this was hard to say, but sometimes you need to leave. Mm. You, you just, you know, if you're in an abusive situation or if there is, you know, uh, I mean, God can heal. Going back to when you talked about me sitting there with uh, healing my broken spirit, mm. that was after the second affair. I believe God could have restored and healed our marriage even then. Mm. It, you know, he can heal a marriage after adultery. Right. But, but there are also situations um, where you, you need to leave, whether it's for a time. Uh, in my situation, it ended up being, uh, you know, for getting divorced. Um, my, my first husband remarried and continued down the same path and continued to have more affairs in his second marriage. And it ended very tragically with him taking his own life after going to lose another family and another ministry. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, can I read this one little part? It's so good. Yes. And then you could touch on that. You say, sometimes you can feel like you are stuck in a mess. It may be stealing your joy and peace, bombarding your mind with chaos and discouragement and turmoil. It may seem to everyone on the outside that all is well. They do not know the secret sins you are dealing with and the pain you are going through. They do not know that you constantly live with a cloud hanging over you of affairs and abuse. They do not know your world lacks kindness, goodness, and grace. They do not know you are living in fear. It seems no matter what you do or how hard you try, it is not going to change. We can try so hard to be someone's savior. We can tr try so hard to help them but it is possible that they are never going to change. If they will not allow God to change them through the savior, Jesus Christ, how can you save them? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, a thing along that line too, is that God loves the woman in the marriage more than he loves the institution of marriage. Wow. He, and that's what, you know, we, we can think, have all these weights on us, but if we really realize God loves us as an individual, and if you're in a situation that is toxic, that with, with sin and with hurt and abuse, um, you know, the, like I say, the best thing is to re reconcile. The best thing is to maybe leave and get counseling. But um, there, there are some times on this earth where mm. peace is not possible, mm. and mm. and you have to take take care of your children and of yourself. Mm. I was so glad that you said that because, like, and you start by saying when at all possible, like you're all for reconciliation of the marriage. But sometimes that person just needs to hear it. You cannot live in this, you know, abuse. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was so thankful that you said that. Um, you talk a little bit more about, you know, confronting 
the sin and you say, um, the bottom line in dealing with secret sin is grace and truth. You need grace for the process of forgiving. You need truth to confront and deal with the sin. And you talk about how this isn't something that we talk about in our churches, that yeah. it's not, it's not this subject that is easy to talk about or that is really addressed. You say sex is a subject our society is flooded with through advertisements, televisions, and movies. However, it is not a subject talked about much at church, but sexual immorality happens at church. We must confront sexual abuse even when it happens in the church world, especially when it happens in the church world. And I love that you talk about dealing with it with grace and truth, yes. but confronting it. Yes. There, you know, there, there are different churches have different ministries. Some are more grace-based, some are more legalistic or truth-based, but, but Jesus was full of grace and truth, both. Mm -hmm. And um, we do need to have grace, but the, the truth needs to be, be talked about. I mean, I, my heart breaks. I mean, even recently in the headlines, you know, well-known ministers falling in this, in the same same trap and and i mean going back to you mentioned a while ago i mean it's there but for the grace of god go i i mean all of us have had temptation if i would have had my husband's family had his temptation you know i probably would have fallen right. too you know and so we've got to we that's where the grace is is that it's it could happen to us i think a lot of people think it would never happen to me but it could and that's why we have to um, to have, have grace for people that fall and walk with them through that. But we need to get the truth out there that, that this is like bringing burning coals into your lap. It, it destroys, it destroys not only your own life, but your marriage and your church mm -hmm. and the, the ripples of sexual sin the ripples can be much deeper than a lot of sins. I mean, God forgives all sin, but sexual sin causes deep pain. Mm. And it, I, I don't think we talk about it enough. It's, it's not easy to talk about. It's not, in fact, I, uh, a year ago at one of my conferences, my, my session was on talking about the things we don't talk about. Um, <laughs> because, you know, I mean, little things are said and it's not like that can be your focus, but it, it somehow in our families, um, you know, parents need to be talking to their kids with social media now with um, the way the world is, you know, we, we've got to talk about this. We've got to address it right. because it is, it is um, an epidemic and it's very prevalent, very out there, um, you know, having our kids, you know, I have teenage grandsons that, um, you know, I, I think, oh, they've got all this, you, you've got to talk about it. <laughs> you've got to talk right. about things, you know. Right. You paint one of the most amazing pictures of forgiveness that I've heard. I just have to read a couple parts. You talk about the hope of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. um, but a few chapters before that, you say, one of the things I've learned in my journey of forgiveness is along the way you feel another person owes you something you haven't really forgiven them. I thought I had forgiven Bryce years ago, 
but I realized I still felt he owed me something and needed to pay me back for the pain he had caused. Having only recently understood this deeper level of forgiveness, I told Bryce I was sorry for not forgiving him completely. I told him he was not in debt to me in any way and he didn't owe me anything. He was forgiven and free. I held nothing against him and wanted him to be happy. And then you go on to talk about later towards the end of the book, the hope of forgiveness. And you say to have true healing, there must be forgiveness. As long as we keep bitter roots of unforgiveness in our hearts, we cannot move forward. Um, you talk about not sweeping things under the rug, not you say, I know forgiveness is not feeling as if someone owes you or needs to pay you back for how they have wronged you. For years, I had forgiven, gave testimonies about how I had forgiven. However, deep in my heart, I was, I was still waiting for the day Bryce would pay me back for all he had stolen from my life. It is not until we release a person from owing us, only then can forgiveness be complete. We cannot balance the scales. Unforgiveness means the scales are forever out of balance. It means one person is always going to owe a debt. It's only when we forgive the debt, that the scales come into balance and we can heal. Those close to us deserve more than a life affected by unforgiveness and bitterness. And I never heard that talking about the scales and feeling like somebody, if you still feel like somebody owes you. And I've, I've been there. I've said, oh, I've forgiven, but yes, how, how many can say I could forgive you, but you know, I'm still hurt by you or I'm still, so I loved, I'd never heard it put like this. And I think it's an amazing way to say that. Well, I, you know, I, I talk about it. It's, it's been a journey of forgiveness. Cause I, you know, I, it took me years um, to really, and I'm still learning about it, but you know, I, there was different things that the Lord spoke. There was a, a sermon by Andy Stanley, where he talked about owing somebody owing you. And then I had a cousin say that about the, the scales. And I was like, you know, that's what I'm, I, that's why I still don't have complete peace is that I'm waiting for the day that he's going to knock on the door and say, I'm so sorry. I robbed you of, of the life that you planned. I'm sorry that I did this, that, you know, and it's, that may, for some people that never happens, you know, um, the person maybe even dead that has hurt you right. and there's not, there's not going to be a chance for them to make it right. They may never make it right, but the, the only way we can have peace is, is to, to release them from us. And it, it doesn't mean they don't deserve to not be forgiven. You know, uh, maybe they don't deserve that, but um, a lot of us, we don't deserve to be forgiven and Jesus forgave us. And, and, um, that was a very freeing thing for me to, to just not continue to hold him in my debt. Mm. Um, it, it, it was a, a, a step and, you know, you still have triggers or things where you have to work through it again, but that was a major, major step in my healing and my forgiveness was just to tell him that say, you, you, you don't owe me anymore. Mm. And and, and we had a, a real healing in our relationship, you know, which was a blessing to have that, you know, you don't always get that. So, right. I think so many people need to hear that. I know so many people have been through different hurts, whether it's a church hurt or different things and struggle with forgiveness. And I think mm -hmm. 
that you put it so well. And um, yeah, so I was so thankful to read that. You, and we're just, we're winding down, but I have to talk about this last part about not looking back. And you talk about being thrown from a horse. You were horseback riding and you were th thrown from the horse and your, your dad was there and he picked you up, brought you to the hospital and you were, you know, you had to go through a healing process um, physically. And you said that you were laying there and you thought back, I should have hung on tighter. I shouldn't have pulled the reins to the side. I shouldn't have let go. I should not have gotten on the horse in the first place. And you started realizing that you were not only grieving over being thrown from the horse, but over your marriage and you were thinking, and your divorce, and you were thinking, um, should I have hold, hung on tighter to my marriage? Should I have tried harder? I shouldn't have let go. I should have done something sooner. And you worry about what the divorce um, had done to your family. You say a piece came, began to come over me as I thought back to when I laid on the ground after falling off the horse. I thought of the reaction of my father who had often been a picture to me of my heavenly father. When he got to me, he didn't tell me what I should have done he didn't scold me or tell me I was a failure at riding horses. He simply picked me up and took me to the hospital and cared for me with love. As my body healed, my spirit began to heal with the love of God and the love of my family. I realized I needed to let go of the reins of controlling my life and let God take charge, not only of the good, but of the hurts as well. Although my life was thrown off course, the course I had planned, God has been good and faithful to me. I no longer suffer from chronic neck pain. And although sometimes I still struggle emotionally, I have a peace deep down of the truth that my heavenly father loves me in spite of the hurts of my life. And he continues to work all for the good. On this earth, there will be runaway horses. There'll be divorce. There will be all kinds of trials and pain. When those things happen and we fall, whether it's an accident or our own fault, we have a heavenly father who wants to give us his grace, love, peace, and hope if we will simply accept it. Yes, I, you know, I think um, there's a place in the Bible where Jesus is talking about the woman that poured the oil on his feet. He said, you know, she did what she could. And I, I think sometimes we, we think what we, I should have done this. I should have done that. We, we keep saying that and we have to forgive ourselves too. Because we, we did the best that we could at the time. Um, you know, like I say, when I talk about, I wish we had gotten help. I, you know, that's, that was part of my, I should have done this, but I can't, I can't go back and change that, you know, and, and um, it, it was a, a very healing thing for me to just realize that, that there's, there's nothing I could do about it at this point. I just had to go forward and ask God to take the, the brokenness and use it for good. And, and it's been miraculous how he has taken that and, and used it to, to help other people. But, you know, we, we, we just uh, don't, don't be always on yourself of what you should have done because you, you can't, you can't go back and change it. And, and God is, he gives us grace too. He, he forgives us for our, you know, I was not perfect. Uh, I'm never going to be perfect, but we're all, we have a perfect God and we're all on a, you know, we say at our church, we're, we're all imperfect people on a journey to a perfect God. And, 
Mm. And, and we, we expect perfection in ourselves, even in our past that we can't go back and redo. And we, you know, we relive it and retry and, and it's wasted emotional energy because you can't, you can't do anything and you have to just mm. give it, just put it in the, put it at the feet of Jesus, right. give it to him and say, it's yours. I did what I thought was best. I wish I'd done something different, but I don't need to dwell on that. Right. And I love how you paint that picture of your father and the heavenly father, your father ran to you and didn't say, yeah. why did you do this? Or why, you know, and how that's how the Lord is. He comes and he picks us up. And I, I'm, I'm sorry. I read so much of that. I, I couldn't oh. stop. <laughs> that's right. Now that was, that was, uh, that was a, a major thing. And that was after I'd been remarried for many years when I fell off the horse. Oh, wow. So, you know, so it was like, like, I still was like, had this failure, you know, even though had moved on and, and, uh, uh, but yeah, my dad, that, that was a, a great picture to me because he, he, who, he was, who taught me to ride a horse. He, you know, and that he didn't start saying, you know, why did you do that? He, right. he, just, he just picked me up and took care of me. Well, we have just today scratched the surface of the book. It's a page turner. I was drawn into your story. Um, the, the way you write, and then the hope that you offer and your relationship with Bryce, you know, in the end that you talk about getting to that place, you know, um, and how that was a good, a good thing. And you were thankful for that. And you offer so much um, hope and just truth and wisdom. And I just want to encourage everybody to get their hands on this book. It's so good and so powerful. Um, and I want to end with this, like people are listening and people, you know, that you go and speak to, um, whether it's just one-on-one -on -one or at a conference or whatever, what would you say to somebody there, somebody who's listening and is walking in a secret sin, whether it's an abuse thing or whether it's, you know, something different, it's causing a deep pain. What is just a nugget of encouragement or truth or wisdom that you could impart right now? Yeah, I, I just pray and hope that maybe this gives you courage to talk to someone, even make a little step to someone that, you know, maybe not necessarily going to your uh, denomination's authorities today, but just, just talk to someone that you trust and let them know what you're going through that, you know, we're to carry each other's burdens we're to bear each other's burdens mm -hmm. and that's that's how we fulfill what God wants us to do and so if I would encourage you if you're in that place um to talk talk to someone it, it's it's you know I'm I'm a stranger but I you know I I'm julie e davenport at gmail.com um uh, mm -hmm. you know but I, I you know your local church um uh cling to Jesus. I mean, that, that has been my word through the years is that I, I literally clung to Jesus with everything, with reading his word and praying and just many times just saying, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, to know what to do. Uh, open a door, send someone, um, show me who I can talk to, show me what I can say, what I need to quit saying, <laughs> you know, uh, show me the next step. And just mm -hmm. to, to lean on, lean on the Lord. And, um, I, and I, and that's what I prayed. I prayed and prayed over this book that it would, would help people. Um, the, the links to the, the Kindle or the, um, paperback are, 
at my website at julieedavenport.com. But um, mainly it's just those that are in your circle to draw close to, to be a part of the body of Christ and, and to also be that to others. Use what, use what God's taking you through to help someone else. Well, thank you. I'm going to put your website in the show notes and I'll link to the book as well. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing oh. your story. Oh, thank you for what you're doing, Joy. I, um, this is, this is great. And I listened to some of your, I've heard some of your podcasts and they're, it's great what you're doing too. And, and bless you. And thank you for this opportunity. Thank you. Wow. What an amazing conversation with Julie. You know, I am so thankful that she took the time to come on the podcast and share her story in hopes of helping other people who are walking through the same thing. It always amazes me when I see somebody walk through something so dark and come out shining on the other side and how the Lord redeems and restores. You know, the God that did that for Julie is the God that can do that for you. Make sure you share this podcast with a friend who needs to hear it. Also, you can go to our website for more resources. If you need prayer or if you want to get a message to Julie, you can do it through her website. You can email joyforministry at gmail.com and I will make sure that gets to her. And again, her information is in the show notes. Thank you for coming on the episode today. And you know what? Come back next week for another powerful episode. See you soon.